0: This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network. When I was very young, in grade school, I remember so well the story about a priest named Father Damien who served the lepers on Molokai and the Hawaiian Islands way back in the 1800s. But I don't remember much about his life or Damien the Man. And yet, when I think back to those days, Probably the only thing I knew about Father Damien was that he did indeed serve the lepers, and then one day in his sermon he said, "'We lepers,' telling his flock that he too was now a victim of that disease. Well, the world has turned over a great many times in the years since he was called to his eternal reward, but he was not forgotten." In 1995, Pope John Paul II beatified him so that he became Blessed Damien, and in the years following his beatification, his cause for canonization moved forward, and after great and thorough examinations of the facts, on October 11, 2009, Pope Benedict XVI canonized him a saint, and the President of the United States said, and I quote, I recall many stories from my youth about his tireless work there to care for those suffering from leprosy who had been cast off, End of quote. So we know in general what he did and what he accomplished, but what do we really know about this man, about his life, and some of the details that, that moved this man from the common life to be listed among the saints of the church? And that's our story for today. Well, we have to go back in time to January 3rd in 1840 to a little village in Belgium when Francois and Catherine de Voster welcomed their sixth child who was named Joseph in honor of the foster father of Jesus and the head of the Holy Family. When little Joseph was baptized, he made a gesture with his fist that his grandmother interpreted as being the sign of the cross, and to which she very proudly announced that he was going to be a priest. While well, his godfather was a worldly, boisterous man who proclaimed that he would become a great soldier, interpreting the baby's gesture as a symbol of power. Well, time proved them both to be right a priest and a soldier of god he was taught the faith as he reached the age of understanding and one day was taken on a jaunt that included a beautiful cathedral when he was quite young And in the cathedral, all the candles were lit, and the glory of God was extolled as the small child was fingering the beads of his rosary, terribly impressed that his prayers were actually rising to the throne of God. Even so, there was nothing outward to indicate any desire to even consider a religious life. In fact, he was a sort of mischievous youth whose activities delighted his contemporaries in the village. For example, a delivery man was entering the village one day on a wagon pulled by a horse, and as a prank he precipitated the tossing of a small stone at the horse to make it bolt. But the driver saw him as the ringleader and summoned help to punish him. He was receiving several glancing blows from the whip, and and then he managed to escape and take shelter in the village church, because he figured who would follow him there. When his father heard what he had done and where he was, he went after him with a vengeance and with a severe punishment in mind, accompanied by the boy's mother. Joseph had learned that the church was a shelter that would protect you if you were there praying. And so he refused to come out until his father promised not to punish him. Finally, the father reluctantly agreed, and Joseph emerged from the building. Perhaps this was a first glimpse of what prayer could do. Well, as the years passed, Joseph was maturing and became very reliable and responsible, but at the same time, enjoying the solitude of being alone and contemplating the wonders of God and nature. Sometimes he was even referred to as Silent Joseph. He also loved ice skating and became very proficient in the sport, making him a popular and masculine young man admired for his achievements. And, well, parents of his day generally set the path for their children's future, and Joseph's father felt that the boy had all the makings of a good merchant, and that would be his career. So he was sent away to a school where French was the primary language rather than the Flemish of his territory where he lived. Since he spoke not a word of French, this was a very difficult time, and he would be kidded unmercifully. But the hard work of his past had created brawn and muscles, allowing him to successfully vanquish his adversaries as he stumbled his way through learning French and finally making friends. Still, though, he loved the solitude that allowed him to create a bond between himself and God and the desire to enhance that bond with an even closer relationship. What he viewed for himself was a life as a religious, perhaps even a Trappist. So he sent word to one of his brothers who was in the monastery who had taken the religious name of Pamfield in the religious order of the Congregation of the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary, telling him of his desire to become a religious. And his brother had written to Joseph, suggesting that he join him even for a while in his order at Louvain. And Joseph accepted. Well, he was impressed with the order, as well as Pamphile's zeal, and applied for and was accepted as a lay brother and since he had no knowledge of Latin or the classical languages, he was not considered at that time eligible for the priesthood. He worked hard in manual labor, assisting in the building of new chapels and other religious buildings, while Pamphile started teaching him Latin, and he became a fast study and was thrilled with his progress in learning Latin. For some unknown reason, he chose his religious name, Damien, which might be prophetic because Damien was a physician and martyr in the fourth century who cared for the underprivileged with his brother, and eventually became a martyr for the faith. Well, as time passed and he progressed in the order, he heard great tales of the opportunities for missionary work in the South Pacific. Pamphile had already applied for and was accepted to go there, and perhaps he thought some day he could join his brother there, and they would spread the word of God together. Pamphile was ordained, and the time had arrived for him to depart on his missionary venture, and since Damien had not yet been ordained, well, he would have to remain behind. But God's will won't be denied. Pamfield's health became a problem, and Damien, though he was still in minor orders, was allowed to take his brother's place with his own ordination as a priest, well, to be problematical for some time in the future. THE SEA VOYAGE WOULD BE ALMOST FIVE MONTHS LONG, AND DURING THE CROSSING, FIERCE STORMS WOULD ASSAULT THE SMALL SHIP, AND BROTHER Damien WOULD ASSIST THE SAILORS, EVEN TO THE POINT OF CLIMBING HIGH ON THE MASTS OF THE SHIP DURING MANY OF THE GALE-DRIVEN STORMS. THE STORMS BECAME SO FIERCE THAT BROTHER Damien EVEN STARTED A NOVENA FOR THEM TO STOP, AND EVEN THE NON-CATHOLICS ABOARD JOINED IN THE PRAYERS. Well, the storms abated on the ninth and last day of the completed novena, and they arrived in Hawaii on March 18th in 1864. Hawaii at that period had been visited by hordes of foreigners who brought with them a variety of diseases, plus this new Catholic religion, and they had been treated so poorly that The then-King Kamehameha III issued orders that the Catholics should not be persecuted, orders that were only sometimes actually enforced. Not long after Damien's arrival, the local bishop ordained him a priest, and he was sent to become more acquainted with his new area, and was appointed pastor on an island known as Maui, and was the only white man living on the island at that time. The bishop had warned him that this parish was in its infancy with no parish church in which to say Mass. He would have to be architect, carpenter, builder, and workman since no money was available. But there were trees all around him, and trees meant wood, and he had an axe. And from those trees the wood that would be used to build his church would be harvested and formed into place into a place of worship, where the people of the area were amazed at what this one man was accomplishing, and one by one they came to help him. In the meantime, mass was held in huts or by the sea or anywhere people could come and worship. Many came out of curiosity, then more and more would come to see this strange man wearing a black cassock who would sometimes have to hack his way through the wilderness to visit people in remote areas of the island. He had been given a small supply of medicines, which he used to treat any of the people who were ill as he attempted to help them both with their bodies and with their souls. All the efforts of this strange new man were having a visible effect as the people of the island were being attracted to him, and this new Catholic religion. He was prepared to bring the word of God to everyone, regardless of the difficulties. Father Damien learned of a group of Catholics living in a distant and remote part of his parish and journeyed on foot uh, four days in each direction to bring them the body of Christ and the word of God and he learned of another group, accessible only by the sea, and accompanied by two other islanders, they journeyed by canoe through shark-infested waters. Well, rough waves caused the canoe to capsize, and his two companions panicked, but Father Damien's calm demeanor reassured them, and they paddled and splashed their way through the circling sharks to the safety of the distant shores." On another occasion, a small freighter had sunk in a violent storm, and the survivors were in a rowboat and and were so weak from exhaustion and exposure and thirst that they were unable to barely move. Father Damien saw them and, disregarding his own safety, swam through the circling sharks to the boat, and he climbed aboard and rowed to the shore where he cared for the men as they recovered from their terrifying ordeal. Now, even though Father Damien was proving himself over and over again, there were those who were jealous of him and this new religion he was bringing. These preferred their own type of native black magic, mixed with spells and evil images, and sought to terrify the other native islanders with their own ceremonies at pagan rituals. One night, as Father was calmly resting by his quarters, he heard distant drums beating a staccato rhythm, unlike the pleasant beats to which he was accompanied. These these drums sounded evil and threatening. He rose from the chair and ventured into the woods to see for himself. He came to a thicket and saw a type of pagan altar smeared with what appeared to be dried blood from animals and other ritualistic symbols. Well, undaunted, he overturned the primitive altars, tore down all the pagan trappings, and cut two large branches off a tree, which he fashioned into a cross and erected it on the spot, and then left his clerical hat there so there would be no question who had done this. The next day, the idol worshippers became more angry and again tried to demonstrate their powers with doll images and idols. Father Damien would not allow this and again overturned their types of altars, taking the idols and smashing them underfoot, proving that they had no power over this man wearing a black cassock. The islanders had a new and stronger respect for this man and and followed him and listened to his words about this good and kind God of his. The bishop, hearing of his great successes, sent materials to build a new church, and with Damien's help the church was built. The islanders of the parish were always in awe of this father Damien many times there would be two men or more having difficulty picking up a large piece of timber and father damien would hurry to be of help picking it up all by himself you know when we speak of these holy people and and what they've accomplished sometimes it's difficult to really picture them what they're like That's why I like this particular description written by a native person of Father Damien. It said, His cassock was worn and faded. His hair tumbled like a schoolboy's. His hands stained and hardened by toil, but the glow of health was in his face. The buoyancy of youth in his manner while his ringing laugh, his ready sympathy, and his inspiring magnetism told of one who in any sphere might do noble work, and who in that which he has chosen is doing the noblest of all works. This is Father Damien. End of quote. Well, he toiled in the parishes of Hawaii, and when he left one area for another, His footprints of achievements were forever etched in the land and hearts of his parishioners. Oh, he had his critics too, but sometimes we are jealous of the achievements of others who reach for the clouds and actually touch them. For eight years, Father Damien labored truly in the vineyard of Christ in preparation of what God was shaping him to accomplish. During his tenure of serving several parishes on the island of Oahu, the islands were facing a major crisis. The sailors and others from the outside world making ports in the Hawaiian Islands, as I mentioned earlier, brought with them diseases of many kinds that were new to the islands, among which probably the most terrifying was Hansen's disease, better known as leprosy starting with only a handful of the population, this disease was now growing to epidemic proportions, so great that the king of the islands at that time, Kamehameha V, ordered all those with leprosy to be moved to a colony known as Kalaupapa on the north side of the island of Molokai now this village was separated from the rest of the island by a steep mountain ridge accessible only by a mule following a narrow difficult trail the government had given them supplies that they had hoped would make the lepers self-sufficient but due to the debilitating nature of the disease and the despair they felt the village soon turned to that of squalor despair alcoholism and and all types of evils the small houses that had been hurriedly erected soon became run-down shacks quickly falling into disrepair that echoed the feelings of the inhabitants shut off completely from the outside world without anyone to provide resources of any kind of assistance, even with medical treatment. Perhaps five years or so after the establishment of this prison, if you will, on the island of Molokai, the bishop, hearing of the reports of conditions there, was concerned for the spiritual welfare of the villagers. However, sending a priest there, well, one could almost say that this would be a death sentence. To fully understand what was involved, one only need go back to the old Egyptian proverb that proclaimed, death before death is leprosy. Obviously, Father Damien had heard of the plight of the lepers and the conditions of this village, but what could he do? Well, for one thing, he prayed. He prayed for the villagers, and he prayed for someone to help. Well, after quite a bit of soul-searching and a great many prayers, I believe unknown to him, at least at first, God was giving him a nudge. And he did what many of us sometimes fail to do. He listened to what God was saying. And then he went to his Monsignor and asked for permission to go to Molokai and, in effect, establish a parish there. And so, accompanied by the Monsignor, Father Damien arrived on Molokai, and they made their way to the village where Father Damien met 816 lepers who suffered and existed there in the village. He was introduced to the lepers, and I quote, as one who will be a father to you and who loves you so much that he does not hesitate to become one of you "...to live and die with you." And then the Monsignor left, apparently having completed the introduction. As Father Damien looked around, he was overcome, but not discouraged, with the enormity of the task before him, and very apparent were the living conditions on a par with the worst that one could find almost any place in the world. While the authorities meant well, the leper colony disintegrated into a state of unbelievable filth and despair. Well, first things first, Father Damien wanted to put Christ in the midst of the village as a beacon of hope, and to do this he would need a parish church. And with back-breaking labor and clever ingenuity, he hewed out of the countryside the materials that would be the parish church of St. Philomena. And his mission was not only to place God in the lives of the lepers, but establish the view that Molokai was a place to live and not just a place to die. For the villager's spirit had disintegrated to futility, Father Damien focused on life and his spirit, and his example was becoming contagious. Contagious his objective was not just serving as pastor and building a church but to give them something to believe in and to live for his daily routine apart from being pastor was that of being like a medical practitioner caring for the lepers sores bandaging bandaging them wherever necessary helping rebuild and improve the homes that were falling into disrepair caring for the sick when necessary even burying the dead to name just a few of his daily activities and he recognized too that there that he had to be a strong and understanding leader and so he established and maintained rules of law and behavior for the village. And and then what about the children? Well, to him, they were not there just to die. Their lives had to have a meaning. And so he opened a school and taught classes. While the outside world had little contact with the lepers of Molokai, Father Damien's efforts served as a motivating factor to publicize the needs of this tiny village. What this one man was accomplishing on this deserted part of the island of Molokai was reaching to distant parts of the world and was publicizing this dreaded disease worldwide. Learning of the needs of this community, other religious came to help, and eventually a working hospital was built because of his efforts. And those of other religious who came to Molokai, death was becoming an unwelcome and feared visitor. It was replaced by the promise of a heavenly reward. The fruits of his vineyard were plentiful and his harvest bountiful. After three years living with the lepers, the bishop visited the colony, and Father Damien belittled his own efforts and his own achievements. But the lepers themselves proclaimed most proudly by saying, He overwhelms us with His solicitous care, and He builds our houses. When any of us is ill, he brings us tea and biscuits, and to the poor he gives clothes. He makes no distinction between Catholics and Protestants. A journalist studying what was happening on Molokai wrote a report saying, and I quote, This young priest, Damien by name, who has consecrated his life to the lepers, is the glory and boast of Hawaii he resuscitates the saintly heroism of the bloody arenas of the ages old. Nay, he does even more. Would it not be better to be thrown to a wild beast rather than be condemned to live in the poisonous atmosphere of a leper settlement? And Damien, the soldier of Christ, has lived in the midst of the banished lepers of Molokai, and inspires them with confidence in their divine master, and with the hope of a better life. End of quote. Father Damien had a ritual after the difficult days he endured. He would warm his feet in hot water to ease the discomfort. But one night as he did so, he could not feel the heat. He knew then that he had joined even closer to his congregation. And the next day he addressed them and spoke that now famous phrase, we lepers. He had volunteered to go to Molokai in 1873 and contracted leprosy in 1884, and refused to leave the island where he might obtain better or more sophisticated treatment, and continued to labor among his brothers and sisters until the month before he died in 1889 at the age of just 49. Father Damien was canonized a saint by Pope Benedict XVI on October 11th. 2009, before more than 40,000 people overflowing the Basilica in Rome, where the Pope said, and I quote, He invites us to open our eyes toward the leprosies that disfigure the humanity of our brothers and sisters, and that today still call for the charity of our serving presence. End of quote. When we look at our own obstacles and difficulties, Maybe it would be well for us to take a moment and compare them to those of St. Damien of Molokai. And just perhaps he may provide us with the incentive to persevere and more importantly to trust in God who is only a prayer away and what he can help us to achieve by our prayers. This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network.